Well, hi, church family. I'm Jason Smith, sitting here with David Wajnicki. Hello. Pastors here at Valley City Community Church. And Pastor Dave, you bring us the preaching of the word every week. And, and, and so I, I want to talk about why are you and I sitting here. And, and it's something that we've been talking about doing for a couple months now. And truthfully, we hope to start, we hope to when we kicked off the book of Luke. But my family, we were out of town. And, and so we missed the beginning of Luke. But here's my question. Why are we here? Why are we chatting together today? And what is the plan moving forward? Well, yeah, as you said, this was something that we've talked about for a while. And uh, we don't know exactly what we're going to call this just yet. But um, we had the thought that there are things that we get to share and express on Sunday mornings. And then there's some things that don't necessarily make it into the sermon or as part of our worship time uh, that we kind of get excited about or things that we'd like to fill people in on. And so the idea was just to, to have a time on Monday mornings where you and I can come together, just reflect a little bit on what happened on Sunday, uh, just some things that stood out to us, maybe that we didn't get to express uh, in the message or in worship, answer some questions that people might have had that I heard out either after the message or in connection groups. And so this is really, yeah, just a time of kind of recapping and uh, bringing to light some of the things that we'd, that we'd like to share that we don't always get to on a Sunday morning. Great, great. Well, okay, so looking at Sunday morning, we just started the series in Luke. Yep. And as you know, there's 66 books in the Bible, so there there's plenty that you could have chose from. Why the book of Luke? Why are we going through this book right now? Yeah, you know, one of the things I love about our staff, that I love about our church, um, is we're always, we're always praying, we're always thinking, Lord, what do you have for us as a church? And as we're wrapping up one sermon series, we're thinking and praying about where do we go, go next? And so we've just been in the book of Ephesians. And normally, I mean, you know our you know, our habit as a church is that we preach through books of the Bible. We'll do a couple little topical series here and there, but we preach through books of the Bible. And uh, kind of our pattern has been like Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament, you know, go, going back and forth. But uh, coming out of Ephesians, really praying, looking, starting to read, study, ask the Lord. And it just, um, it just stood out to me that where we're at just in this time and place, just as a church family, you know, our mission is to be and make disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the glory of God, we want to be and make disciples of Jesus. But it just, it just kind of really hit me. Culture says a lot of things about Jesus. Culture says a lot of things about the church, and, uh, and I just thought, man, what a sweet thing it would be to spend an extended time actually getting to know Jesus as he makes himself known in the gospel accounts. And, and right, now just on a practical level, why then Luke? There's four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, about seven years ago, I had preached a series in the Gospel of John, and I love that Gospel, but I'm like, eh, well, we're not going to go to John's Gospel. Um, Mark's Gospel is great. It's just a little bit shorter and some things, and, uh, and then Matthew's Gospel as well. It's good, but it's written from a Jewish perspective, which isn't wrong. You know, it's just there's some things there. So kind of focused in on Luke, and Luke was written by a Gentile to a Gentile audience. Uh, it has a lot of things um, that some of the other Gospels don't have, and I had shared some of those kind of facts, and so, yeah, so that was like, all right, well, let's spend some time in Luke. So there you go. Yeah, and for me so far, it's been neat to see some of those things drawn out that I have not noticed before that I did not know. Yeah. Um, and so for you, since you've been, uh, yesterday was week four, yep. and so I'm going to ask you, for the last four weeks, what has stood out to you as we've walked through this series so far? Well, I have to say, and I shared this with some of you all before we even got into it as I was just doing my prep for it, um, just how, this is going to sound obvious, but just how Jewish Jesus is. 
that's the first thing that really, as I was preparing for it, I mean, come on, I knew that and everything, but just like how important it is to understand the Jewish context of his life and uh, the things that were in the Jewish culture at that time, their, their pattern of worship based upon the Old Testament. And, uh, and so even as we go through the, the Gospel of Luke, like that just stands out. And so sure enough, as we've been here in the first few chapters, like, you know, again, the first person that shows up, the first story is here about, you know, Zechariah the priest in the temple, you know, doing his priestly duties. And so why Zechariah? You know, it, it just starts immediately in that Jewish context. So I think that's one. Um, and then number two, and this is so big for me, just the historicity of the life of Jesus. Like how deeply Luke goes out of his way to ground the life of Jesus in history and in fact. Um, just what he says to Theophilus in, in the beginning, like this guy that he's writing to, he knew things about Jesus. He had heard the stories about Jesus. And Luke's like, uh, I'm not saying that the stories that you heard weren't true, but he's like, I'm going to write you an orderly account to affirm for you the things you've heard about Jesus. And, and that includes the, the times, the places, the people, the historicity of, of his life, which for us in this day and age, I mean, <clears throat> all right, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but like yesterday I said, Nazareth, right? Like such an inconsequential place, so insignificant that archaeologically uh, people even doubted his, its existence for a while until really we started doing serious archaeology in the 1900s and stuff. But... Um, but again, that Luke goes out of his way to say, all right, here's where Nazareth is. It's in the region of Galilee because he wants you to know it's real. It's real. So right, I think those right. are some of the things that stood out to me thus far. Great. So then I'm going to ask um, another question is dealing. So as we as we looked um, over the past four weeks, were there things because I know that even as I plan worship, there's things I'd love to say about songs in between, but we time just doesn't allow for it. Mm -hmm. What are some of those things that, as you look, that you wish you could have had more time to expand on, explain more, uh, that you couldn't have then, and now, if you had a moment, you can? Yeah. This is one of the reasons I'm looking forward to doing this is, right. you know, there's going to be things I'm going to say, well, I wouldn't preach that on Sunday, but, you know, there are things that just kind of stand out to me, things that you could kind of speculate on, you know, and... Uh, Boy, some of those things, um, I think in the first story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, you know, just that the whole context of, of like what it would have been like for Zechariah, this man who steeped in a knowledge of the word of God, yet when he's there in the temple and he's in the holy place and he's burning incense there, um, just how surprised he is by the angel and his, and his doubt. We touched on that just a, just a little bit, but here's a man who knew the miraculous stories of the Old Testament. Here's a man who actually knew, would have known. We have to assume. Like, can I say for 100% certain that he knew the book of Daniel and he knew the name of the angel Gabriel? Jason, like, I, we have to assume that he, that he did. And so when Gabriel announces his name and says, you're going to have a son even in your old age, that Zechariah's response is, you know, how will I know this? It's like you're standing before an angel, Zechariah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle the guy. I mean, he gets rebuked and he ultimately loses his voice for the time of the pregnancy. But that's kind of like one of the things that just, uh, you know, you don't sit on that for a while. But it just shows our, look, I look at Zechariah and I can't pick on him. How many other places do we doubt in our lives? Exactly, yeah. In spite of all God has done, you know, we're sitting here in this building, right? We see what God has done. Like, 
this building, I've said, is, is a monument in many ways to the glory of God because of how he's provided for this church and taken care of us and, and done all those things in ways that you and I, as we prayed for years and years and years, we thought, can this ever come about? And then God does it. And it's like, you know, tomorrow we're going to be faced with a situation where we're going to feel like it's impossible. You know, it's like, how will I know this to be God? You know, how, how can you get us through this thing? Mm-hmm. It's like, how much more do you need? You know, so I don't know. That's, that's, that's one of the things that stood out thus far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to bring up one that our, our connection groups meets on, um, mine personally meets on Sunday night. Yeah. And so from yesterday's sermon, mm. um, when you were looking at Mary's response to, to the angel Gabriel, you stated that, you said, Mary's question how can this be since I'm a virgin, yeah. is a question about how can this kind of child come from Mary and Joseph based on who they are? Yeah, yeah. And the question that really was, can you give background on that statement? How, how did you come to that understanding of the text? Yeah, no, it totally just made it up as I was going. <laughs> right. So early on in Luke's gospel, all right, so here's something that we didn't, that I haven't talked about. Okay. So where did Luke get his information from? Okay, as he's preparing his, his gospel. Well, you know, obviously he's going after eyewitnesses and things like that. Here, here's some fun little facts, things that I didn't necessarily talk about because we can only uh, assume some of these things. Okay. Paul is thrown in prison in Caesarea there on the coast of Israel for about two years or so. I've been to the location. It's actually a lovely seaside place. Um, and he's there for two years. And this is close to Jerusalem. It's close to Bethlehem. Like, you know, we're talking a day or two walk, okay? So we know that Luke is in Israel. Let's say it's probably somewhere around maybe like 50 AD or something like that. Um, a lot of scholars have speculated that a significant portion of Luke's information probably actually came from Mary herself. Okay, okay. Just because, again, I said yesterday, like, she was young. Right, she's much younger than, than Joseph, we would have to assume. She's probably 12, 13, 14 when this is happening. So maybe she's 60, maybe she's 70, you know, as he's researching. Um, Paul could have been there even earlier than 50, 80. But he's in and around the region where Mary could have been living for like two years. So, so we get the specificity of these conversations. I mean, these are really like detailed right, accounts. Right, right. So that's kind of a cool thing to, to think about. And so now we kind of come to... You know, yeah, how do we have the specificity of this interaction between Mary and, and the angel? So maybe some of it came from Mary her, herself. We're going to have her song next week that we're going to look at. And so it's like, how did he have this kind of detail of what she said? Probably came from Mary. All right, so now back to the question. The angel Gabriel comes both to Zechariah and to, to Mary and tells both individuals that a miraculous thing is going to happen to, to them. When he says it to Zechariah, as I mentioned, Zechariah, there's this clear doubt. How will I, how do I know that this is going to, this is going to come about? Because we're old, right? You know, old people don't have babies. It's a classic Abraham response, you know, uh, classic Sarai response, you know, before she became Sarah. <clears throat> and so the angel's like, you're doubting God. You're doubting what I'm going to, and so his, it's the response of the angel that lets us understand the intent of the question. Okay, sure. All right, the response by the angel reveals to us the intent of the question. And so there's a rebuke there, your silence, this is why. So, so, so keep that in mind then is now we go to Mary's question. Okay. All right, so you're tracking with me? Yep, the response yep. of the angel lets us know that God's understanding the intent of the heart. So when Mary comes and she asks the question after he says, remember what he has just told her. You're going to have the child who's going to be the son of God. He's going to be the great one. So just logically thinking about that, Mary as a virgin young woman 
she knows that she's never, you know, had sex with a man, so, so, she's, so, so she knows that in order to have a child, there's going to have to be some kind of conception to take place. But is the question just about the conception versus what was the emphasis of the angel? The emphasis of the angel, his message was the kind of child she's going to have, the Son of God. So then she comes in light of that information, says, how will this be? How will the, the what is the, the this of that, right? Well, it is referring to her pregnancy, and she says, because I am a, a virgin. Right. So she's not, she's not just purely asking the question about, you know, how will I just have a baby? She understands how babies, so she knows that conception needs to take place. And so she's asking the question about conception itself, or is there something more to it? This is where then when we see the angel's response dictates what we understand Mary to actually be asking. And when the angel responds, he answers how a virgin can get pregnant. It, now, is he just asking how a virgin will get pregnant? No, he's showing us how a virgin will get pregnant with this kind of a child because he takes Joseph out of the equation, right? Right. So it's not going to be a child that can come by, by natural means Joseph will not be the father. So he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that's how you're going to conceive okay. this kind of a child because it will come from God. It won't come from a natural man. <clears throat> and then, and then, he, then he clarifies it again. He says, therefore, the child to be born, so he's going to the kind of child, will be called holy. What child could be? None of our children were born. They're like, this is a holy child. And then the son of God. It's because of this kind of conception. So it is not just that she's saying in the question, you know, there is, this, there is this element of like, how can this child come from me when I'm not, you know, when I've never had sex with somebody? There is, there is that aspect of it, but it's more that a genuine question of, I'm not doubting God's ability to help me get pregnant. It's more of I'm questioning this type of child by human means. Gotcha. Does, okay. does that help yeah. a little yeah. bit? Does yeah. that, 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 that. And, uh, and so there is also that element of she's asking about, you know. Yeah, kind of how, both. Yeah, it is kind of both. Yes. It is kind of both. But we over, I, th I think that we over. We emphasize uh, on we, one. You emphasize yeah. one. You know, it's going to be, and it is, it's going to be a virgin birth, but the emphasis is it's going to be God who's going to do this thing. Holy one. If, if yes. that, makes, if that yeah. makes some sense. Great. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then obviously, you know, we see, you know, uh, Jason, I think the most important thing you know, is, is verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. What a great truth. You, you know, if I, if I were to, you know, if I were to go back to something, you talk about things that, you know, you could just preach a sermon on that verse. You know, what do we, uh, what do we view as an impossibility? I mean, the idea that a natural human being could give birth to the incarnate son of God is Outside of the resurrection, the most spectacular event in human history that God would take on flesh. So that's, and so outside of the resurrection of that man, Jesus from the dead, is anything in your life or my life, is it impossible for God to do what he, what he deems for his glory and, and necessary for his people? And, and so, you know, that's one of the things I love so much you know, just about that right there. And one of the good key phrases you said, for his glory yeah, and absolutely. for his people, right? So, Yeah, because don't you think sometimes, you know, um, you don't want to use that verse in such a way that if I just had enough faith, then X, Y, Z right. could happen. Right, 
um, it's not to say that we don't, we want to have faith in what God can do, but whatever he does is for his, for, his, for glory. his glory. Yeah. And yeah. his purposes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Good. those are some, some observations. Anything else about Luke before I have one more question for you that you'd like to, yeah. to, to expand on to cover today? No, I would just, you know, um, you know, if I can go just back to that, the, the, the historicity of this, for us as a church, it's like, do we need to understand the Jewish faith in totality and under, in order to understand the purpose and work of Jesus Christ? Okay. My answer to that is no, but, right? <laughs> right? But. but, because like when he says that the Jesus will be of the line of David, like he is the promised king. I'll be honest with the, with the church, like one of the things you're going to hear me emphasize in the life of Jesus is this. There's an already not yet. Jesus came to establish his kingdom. It's not just a future thing. So when we read this, like when the angel says, this is who David, this is who Jesus will be. He will be the one who's the descendant of David. He's the promised one. Are all those promises still yet to come in some far off future kingdom time? Or do we take Jesus at his word at the end of Matthew's gospel when he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Right, right. And so, so I just want us to read Luke's gospel with this. This is why we're studying this, right? Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? Because Christ is reigning and ruling. The fullness of his reign isn't known. But when it says that he is the promised king, look at what he cares about most is the redemption of God's people. And that includes Jews and it includes Gentiles. And Luke's going to make that point all, all throughout this. So that's just, yeah. Great. There you go. Great. Some Thanks for sharing that. No, no. Um, th this was a, a Christmas passage in our group. We're talking about how yeah. often that we hear a passage. And, and you almost start to um, just, you just slide right over it. And you don't even really pay attention anymore because yeah. it comes so familiar. So I, I'm really glad for the truths that you pulled out. We are, though, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the fall kickoff. Right. And, and so, and surprisingly, we have somewhat of a fall weather right now, which is... Yesterday, uh, October 1st, I was in long sleeves. It's kind of nice. Uh, we'll see how that see, continues. See, this is, you and I, this is where if people know us, we differ a little bit. I like the warm weather. Uh, that's why I'm in Southern California. Uh, so when it's cold... And, and I personally like seasons. I, I want know, I know four like seasons. seasons. I want all of them, but um, You can get all fine. four in a week sometimes here in <laughs> yes, California. Yes, you can. Um, and, and so... Being in fall, I just want yeah. to ask you a quick question. Is there um, a family tradition, either now or growing up, mm -hmm. uh, that you enjoy or enjoyed as it pertains to the fall season? Yeah, and then I'll throw around and I'll ask you the, the same thing. I mean, listen, so, you know, we moved here from Chicago when I was nine. So I got a little taste of the fall seasons, okay. right? And, uh, and so that was, I remember that was different. Like, all of a sudden, it's like 90 degrees on October 31st or, you know, in the fall. Um, and so, like, growing up, we had some dear, sweet friends that would always do a little uh, harvest party. And uh, so we'd get to go to their house, and we'd get to, you know, dress up and, and things. And that was just a sweet time. It was church friends and stuff like that. And, uh, and then, um, you know, so we would, you know, so we enjoyed doing that, you know, in, in, you know, kind of growing up. And then, I mean, honestly, something that we've done for a number of years, if you live here in Southern California... Uh, a little tradition. We'll typically go up to like Julian. Uh, okay, okay. And uh, go get the apple cider donuts yeah. or go get the pie. It just feels like fall up there it does. at times. It does. And I tell you, it just smells like fall. And so that just kind of gets us into the seasons that you're talking okay. about that we might not feel down here. And so yeah. that's always a, you know, that's a Friday or a Saturday that we go, we've gone up as a family. That's fun. 
That's it's just, fun. you know, I can just think of the memories with that when the girls were little to, you know, till now. What about you guys? What is there something that the Smith, yeah. the Smith leans to? One thing that we started doing the last uh, few years, and I'm looking forward to again here in the week, next week or two, is uh, we were thinking about how you take a Christmas tree, and it's only up for four weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, so yeah, how do yeah, we expand yeah. that? So right. we actually take the Christmas tree and set it up, usually near the beginning of October, and we put fall decorations on it. And so through October and through Thanksgiving, it's our fall tree. Sure. And then Thanksgiving weekend, we take down the decorations, put up Christmas decorations, change the lights to colorful lights, yeah. and make it our Christmas tree. So it stays up for three months or four months because we're, we're really slow to take it down in yeah. January. So, so. What, when, do you, when do you do the switch to the, uh, is it after Thanksgiving? It's, it's usually the Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. So Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving, weekend. Okay, we'll yeah. go through there. But yeah, yeah. some fall well, fun leaves, so it's kind of fun. Well, thanks so much uh, for spending time here, that we get no. to chat with our church family to yeah. help understand more what's going on in your mind and uh, on these questions and things here. And one of the things we had talked about is if people have questions from a previous sermon, um, as we put this out there in yes. the world, and you want to see, see us answer that, um, yes. they can do that. It, it, send it to questions at vcc.org. Did I say no C's? V -C questions at vcc.org. Yeah. yeah. Um, three C's in there. Uh, and, and the best time to do that would be on a Sunday yeah. uh, because we'll be making this on Mondays. And we can always, you know, and if there's a question from the previous week. Yes, we, we can try to address it. Try and, and we'll try to get to the questions that we can. We won't be able to cover all of them. But yeah. if also if we see um, a, especially a spe specific question coming over and over again, yeah. we'll make sure to hit that. So, All right. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Jason.